Hello, this is Kim with Spoken For Podcast. I realize it has been some time and wanted to do episode two. And it is now 4.44 p.m. What a iconic moment of revelation, if you know what I mean. Anyway, so in my first episode, we left off talking about parts of my testimony and I realized it was very choppy and I apologize for that because I was trying to edit edit out all of the ums, you knows, uh that that little uh moments and apparently it chopped up way more than I would have liked so I'm not gonna touch this one so if you hear all of the ums and buts and likes and you knows that is just a part of me being human and I hope you will endure to the end with me and for this episode I'm gonna start off by praying Dear Heavenly Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We acknowledge you, and even if we do not know you, uh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak directly through me and to whoever is listening, that they would receive whatever they need to receive from you. Guard my heart, guard their heart, guard our tongues, just let every voice including their own go to silence and speak so loudly and so clearly that all they can hear and feel is you in jesus name amen so with that being said with that being started i had left off talking about how god used me in the mental hospital and how Paul said, I've become all things to reach all people. And how, although it was not a place that I wanted to be, when I had prayed years prior to reach the farthest and the most broken and the outcasted, you can't really go in that environment without becoming one with the outcasted, becoming an outcast, just like Jesus became a servant became an ordinary man in order to reach the ordinary men. I I say man as in man and woman. And how it would be very inauthentic if a celebrity or a pastor were to come in and say, have faith in God, but when it's someone with you someone with you going through the same medical treatment as a patient that begins really pastoring and praying and declaring faith even in the midst of unbearable unimaginable pain of being in the same place of not really having control over what their brain chemistry is doing but still standing in faith that God is real and God is for them and God is for me and it's authentic at that point it's it's real and it was real and it still is real and it's because 
he answered that prayer that I would reach the brokenhearted by first breaking my own heart so that I could, I couldn't have reached the same people I had all in one place at such that time. If my own heart wouldn't have been broken, if my own brain wouldn't have been uncooperative and It was a very humbling, open, opening-eyed experience, especially with watching people's reactions from my own families, from the churches, from which pastors helped the most, uh, which pastors or friends or, you know, students, even when I was going to classes, like, when your brain gives out in certain ways, you don't get the same treatment as if you were going through cancer or if you were hit by a car and you were recovering and you were just in a lot of pain. If, if someone goes through a shark attack and sees you bleeding out, they're not gonna say your attention screaming, seeking by screaming as, you're looking at a liver on the floor, right? So it's a bit jarring experience when the invisible organ of your brain lets itself collapse and God turned it around for good. And God, who knows, God made even have allowed it so that I could reach those people because I had prayed that prayer and I, I meant every word of it when I prayed knowing that I might not come out of it even alive, that I wanted to reach those soldiers that had seconds left, that had written God off, that I wanted those, I wanted to bring home those souls. And I don't think <laughs> I knew exactly what I was praying when I prayed that prayer, but I know that when I get to heaven, I'm going to be so overjoyed with it. <laughs> It's a bit hard to be happy about it now, but I am on the other side of it. However, it was it was one of the, the most excruciating experiences ever. And for me to say that, you know, I've been through a lot. I've been through hell and, you know, losing function of something that you used to have control of no matter whether it's your physical body shutting down or your mental capacity of being able to control your thoughts, it's so freaking painful. And there's little sympathy, let alone empathy, surrounding you because some people will assume things whether it's i'm assuming that this is a spiritual problem or i'm assuming this is a medical problem there's very little encouragement in the way that a christian can even feel encouraged when going through such a thing because it's usually looked at as an assumption of a spiritual lack that you're just not reading enough of the word or you're just not praying enough or you're just not 
having enough faith in God for the healing of blah, 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 or you haven't been delivered, or you haven't really fully stepped into what you're supposed to be stepping into. You haven't, I've, I mean, I had people visit me in the hospital, in the mental hospital, talk about how I was where I was because I didn't have a schedule. <laughs> and it's just, it's very humbling when you're on the sick side of things to see how people, even without you saying anything or wanting anything to be said to you, what, what people bring to the literal table of the room. And some people do a great job. Some people in the church do a great job and listen, and some pastors do a great job and care and pray and sit with you and cry with you. And then there's other people who just really don't don't get it. They just don't get it. And sadly, those people do tend to make it a living hell. Like the living hell, they make times 25 because they take whatever little self-confidence you have in God and diminish it in what God does not want to happen, which is, you know, when you're building your confidence and identity back up in him and picture it as if it were a cancer-like patient. And I say that with my mom having had passed from cancer I know how serious a topic is. It's just as serious as someone who is dealing with their brain in a biological format of not producing serotonin or not producing what it needs to produce in the way that it needs to signal certain criteria and process trauma and there's a lot of expectation put on you when you're battling an invisible cancer and when someone gets like a dose of chemo or whatever you know there's a teddy bear with a card and a keep going and you're so strong and God is so proud of you and all of that and there are some people who truly did get it and pastors that did come in with that encouragement, but then there are other people who just literally questioned your entire character. Of, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have cancer if you believed you were healed or you wouldn't have depression and deal with suicidal thoughts if you didn't focus on this so much blah 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 like like how do you not focus on bleeding out when you're punctured in the jugular and then told to run a marathon and then constantly gaslit by when you start to struggle and pass out you know with what are you doing get up off the floor type comments of you must have not spent time with God today when that's all you did. And you're running marathons with God and that's the only reason you're still standing. And it can get very, as you can tell, like it can go in circles and circles, which is why I kept going with this analogy because I think it's important to bring light to it. 
especially for if there's any Christians struggling. Also for any Christians not struggling on how do you treat people who are sick. If the hospital is really the church and we are to treat people with kindness and not separate them further from the love of God, how are you treating their mental health? Like how, how serious do you think it is? And why do we only as a nation or society or church or only care when someone's life is taken that it starts to become talked about, but it becomes talked about from a perspective of, I wish we could have done more, but then there's no other, there's no other conversations had about it. There's, it's pushed under the carcass and buried and it's something that God really wants to resurrect and reveal and save people from and that's why I'm talking about it because it's not easy to talk about but I really want to be a voice for those with a mouthful of thorns that every time they go to speak they're just choking and it can be very jarring and if I can reach one person or help one person or help one mom talk to one daughter or one pastor talk to one congregant or you know there's so much wisdom to be had given all that I've experienced and with that being said, I wanted to just wrap up my testimony part two, which was talking about my mom and how God really came through with miracles on all sides of things and how when I had even asked him, God, can you just answer me this? Like, is my mom with you in heaven? My mom was like a big Rolling Stones fan, like major Rolling Stones fan. Mick Jagger was like her Jesus. And <laughs> I'm serious. And it's just the staple t for what she was known for. Just like pepperoni is known with pizza. Like my mom was known to love Mick Jagger. And I share this because... She used to really be doom and gloom and that she was never happy. She could never be satisfied. Her favorite song was that she couldn't get any satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. And so when I prayed that prayer, like, God, can you just confirm to me that she's with you up there? Because I was being catapulted into nightmares where she was in hell and it was... It felt very viscerally real, vivid in a sense where I could not tell if this was from God or the enemy, because I know that when I'm put into the spiritual realm, I can, I know I'm in the spiritual realm. However, sometimes I don't know or can discern which end 
what has been brought there to show me or do. And I can then assess whether this was putting me in a state of fear and stress. And then I can start praying because that's how God wants to use it to bring forth a peace and turn the enemy's plans for evil into good which is bringing me closer into prayer and trusting him and having faith in God and that he will answer and miracles, which is what I'm about to share you with, which is when I woke up on YouTube, there was, uh, I watched Elevation Church online from time to time, especially during that time. And I was scrolling and the sermon that they had title, the title of the sermon that they had posted was, Mick Jagger was wrong. <laughs> you can be satisfied. And all I know is there's no pastors I know that mention Mick Jagger in a sermon, more or less make it the title of their sermon, more or less be a multi-mega church that I happen to watch and happen to open my phone the morning after praying that prayer knowing and that my mom had followed them around the world and was actually in love with Mick Jagger, asked anyone who knew her. And when I read that sermon and I watched the pastor who was a woman who reminded me a lot like my mom's sense of humor and just her mannerisms and everything, it was such a clear answer from the Lord and miracle that I will share that he had confirmed that my mom, yes, is with the Lord in heaven. And I just wanted to wrap it up in that small little bow uh, to bring hope that like he answers in such clear-cut ways. I don't know how much clearer it could have gotten for me. I mean, he, he couldn't have answered in any other way. I mean, even face-to-face, -face, it wouldn't have had such an impact that if you knew my mom you would know that this is just the lord that this is god that this is god reaching out and saying yes your mom is satisfied with me in heaven and just the snarkiness of mick jagger was wrong you can be satisfied i was overjoyed with that and it was a really peaceful thing that I look back on and along with knowing that my mom is not in pain anymore that whenever I start to get sad that she's not here I just get overjoyed with the fact that she is at peace because her life was chronically she was in pain and she would complain and have real valid hurts and it wouldn't be a complaining complaining it, it because there was no pain, there was pain, but there was just never really much as her child, even that I could feel I could do other than pray and bring her as close as I could to the answer, which was God, um, that this world is a blip and that eternity really matters and to give her life over to the Savior and that we're all broken and need God and need Jesus, which is the only way, and that you can't have a belief that all gods are real because there's only one way and one truth and one life, and that Jesus came on the cross and died and shed blood 
for you and would do it again while you were still a sinner and resurrected three days later so that we could be made one with Christ in heaven and God and Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity forever and ever, like, amen. <laughs> and so I stared that as a hope and as, I guess, where I wanted to end it, which it wasn't really ended on my last episode, and to bring that hope that you can be a vessel in the darkest of situations and sometimes he will even put you in the midst of it or perhaps sometimes you are subject to because we are a part of a fallen world to be in the midst of it already that he will use you while you're there he won't cause those things but if you're in the midst of chaos know just like Job that it's not always because you have a lack of faith or you're not spiritually mature like so-and-so or it's because more than that he trusted you in that war to bring soldiers home for Christ and that is actually a compliment and that he's overjoyed with the fact that you stick it out and stuck it out and continue to go on with your testimony and boldness that you have and can do with God, through God, only through God's power.